Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. Football history is filled with rules changes, but one of the biggest about faces in football history is probably the talking and communication of a coach with his players. We're going to talk tonight with Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology as he explains the coaching one player during timeouts and the history of it and the rules. And Tim has his story and more coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we're going to look in that portal today and go back and do some football archaeological work with Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, thank you. Looking forward to chatting once again. Always fun to talk about uh, old-time football. Yeah, and uh, you have some real real dandies uh, that come out in the tidbits each and every day. And one that really caught my eye that I'd like to talk about tonight is you have a – it's titled Coaching One Player. And uh, I find this very interesting on multiple levels, and my my officiating uh, uh, ears go up on this one because, you know, I, I can appreciate what the officials had to deal with uh, during these times too, so – uh, I'll let you take the floor here and tell us all about this. Well, I think I said this two weeks ago, but there are certain stories that need background <laughs> in order to, <laughs> in order for the a more current story to to make sense. So, hey, we're idea, we're here to hear old football stories. So the more we can hear, that the better. <laughs> then, then, then you're going to benefit from that kind of idea and thinking today. So, right. the, so this for I think everybody, uh, whether you lived through this era or not, you've seen. If you're a football fan, you've seen images of a coach standing on the sideline, talking typically to his quarterback. Sometimes it could have been his midline backer, but most often the pictures would show the quarterback. And so it's obviously a timeout. And so they're, you know, the two are conferring about game strategies and which plays to call, et cetera. And so, but the odd thing is like, why the heck is he just talking to his quarterback? Because nowadays the whole team comes over or, yeah, I mean, especially like high school, old team will come run over coach and listen to coach jabber, you know, 35 seconds and then run back and execute a play. But so this whole thing of the coach being able to talk to one player at a time during a timeout all has its background in the idea of coaching from the sideline. And so 
that was illegal really until, you know, in the college game it was illegal until the 1960s. Um, it was illegal in the pro game until until 1944. But so it, it, it all has to do with this idea that, you know, originally the football teams were organized by the athletes themselves. Just they were club teams, just like any. I don't quite want to make it sound like, you know, the the club Quidditch team at some college or university today. But, you know, fundamentally, it's the same thing. A bunch of guys got together and said, hey, we're, let's play football. And so they organized themselves and then it got popular. So a lot of people wanted to attend and blah, blah, blah. So the game, you know, evolved, but, but it had this fundamental belief that the game was for the players, not for the fans, not for the coaches. And so there's a whole slew of football rules and underlying beliefs that are aligned with that. And, you know, I mean, some of it's kind of hidden, but even things like, you know, numbering the players was for the fans but uh, it was opposed by the coaches for a long time so that's why we didn't have numbers but so one of the things that was um by tradition game run by the players you're supposed to engage the players brawn and their brain and so coaches fans and spectators are not supposed to yell instructions to the players and so that 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 all worked and was you know the tradition and the, kind of the etiquette allowed that or made sure that didn't happen until the late 1880s and then people kind of started cheating a bit and so they enacted a rule in 1892 that said if you if somebody coaches from the sideline it's a 15-yard penalty and so um so if you think about other and older pictures that you've seen of football teams, um, when you saw you see pictures of all the players sitting on a bench on the sideline, you see pictures of all the players sitting or kneeling on the sideline, or you see one or two coaches standing, and all of that was just you know, at various times the rules morphed a bit. Um, especially in terms of the number of coaches that could stand on the sideline or move up and down during play. But the, you know, even, even when they could move around a bit, they still could not instruct the players. So um, there were things in the 19, I want to say it's late 1930s. There were some experimental games where they had a 12th, student so a team member maybe he's a smart guy but he was like the third string court they put him out on the field to call the plays and instruct the team because he was a student not a coach so there were some experimental games you know trying that because again student not a coach so um and even their the rule that they had was the kicker if they during times where they did allow teams the kicker had to request the tee. You couldn't, you know, someone on the sideline couldn't just toss a tee out onto the field. The kicker had to request it because if you just toss the, the tee out there, that meant the coach had said, I want them kicking. You know, I want them to try the field goal here on the, from the 35-yard line or whatever. So anyway, so a whole set of rules like that. Um, 
But then in, you know, say 1940s, you get, you have two platoon football coming along. Um, and that allowed coaches to coach the defense while they were off the field or the offense when they were off the field. And then eventually in the fifties, you had, um, you know, in the pro level anyways, they had what they called messenger guards where teams would swap. They'd have guards run back and forth between plays. Um, so that, you know, one, the right guard would swap between one guy and the other, and they would bring in the play each play. And interesting, a guy named Chuck Knoll was one of the first messenger guards who played, who performed that function. So I think I've heard of him uh, before. Yeah, I, I think he. <laughs> well, I know your the the listeners can't see that, but you're wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers hat, so I think you've heard of <laughs> Chuck Knoll before. Um, but so eventually, in 1967, they passed a rule that said, "Okay, now when we call a timeout, you know, previously even during a timeout, the players, the coach could not talk to the players; they had to stay out there on the field." Um, and even in injuries, the coach could not go out there. Just one person who was a, you know, a medical professional could go out there. And so, um, 1967 in the colleges, anyways, I said, one player can talk to a coach. And, uh, so that's, that's why you see all those pictures. And it had actually, um, the, the high schools had, had, uh, made that, uh, rule change a couple of years earlier. And then, you know, early 70s, maybe late 60s, somewhere in there, the high schools also just said, let's allow all 11 players to come over to the sideline uh, to talk to the coach. So, again, it's it's one of those goofy things, but it's ground in this whole background uh, underlying, you know, people's belief systems about football. But b- believe it or not, at the high school level, the phenomenon uh... – you know, even through my officiating career, it's it's only the last ten or fifteen years that more than one coach can go out on the field and more than eleven players can be out there. When they had it for a long time that I officiated, you had to have only eleven players and one coach, and they had to be at least inside the nine yard marks, which is the top of the numbers. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I, it, it, you had to call. You know, technically, if they did that. You were supposed to call it illegal substitution. I mean, we just tried to enforce it and keep them back, but it was a, it was a pain in the neck because you know how timeouts are. It's sort of chaotic and you're trying to tell these coaches, they can't, they, you know, the defensive assistant wants to come out with the head coach and whatever, you got to chase them back, but they, they Lots did a emotion. Yeah. Right. Right. So the national federation had to be like 10, 15 years ago, finally, in this century said, Hey, you can have as many players and as many coaches come out anywhere on the field. And as long, you know, but when that minute's up, you know, everybody's got to be out of there and just the 11 players are on their own side of the ball. So it's sort it's still an evolving uh, transition of that rule, at least at the high school level. And uh, it's much well, easier yeah, so to do it now. I, I think, you know, you raise a really interesting point of the, the viewpoint of the official, right? So, you know, I, I played, I coached, so I have that perspective, what it's like to do those things, but I never officiated. And so I don't understand the game from that perspective and the pressures and the concerns, right? 
And so there's, there's just, a, I mean, there's a lot of things out there in the rules that, um, you know, even like the, the stripes, uh, the stripes on the gridiron, you know, the, the 10, the five yard stripes, when there was a checkerboard, the checkerboard stripes, there's lots of things that were put on the field to help the officials, not to help the, you know, the players. Like, like the game the they're coaches. playing behind me right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah exactly. And, and, you know, the difference between whistles and horns and all that kind of stuff, the final gun, you know, there were so many things that, that really, you know, they were instituted to make officiating easier and and more regulated, more consistent. You know, because what do, what do people complain about? Inconsistent officiating, right? So, you know, there's no, they, a reason. They still, com- still complain about that. If you, if you watched oh, sure. uh, the, the games uh, in the, the playoffs this year and regular season, uh, you know, even us old officials complained about some of them. But it's... Yeah, yeah. but, but it really, I mean, it really... Uh, you know, like your perspective just lends a different, it's a different lens, a different way to look at the game. And, uh, you know, so I, I just, I, I appreciate that. It's just, it, yeah, you know, it, I, I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, uh, something, I mean, I, I, I miss that. I love being out on the field. I love the, the people that I work with. I love, you know, the coaches and the, the kids, but there's some, some parts of it that I don't miss, especially when you have a, a coach that had a bad day and uh, he's going to take it out on you because you're the easiest target for him and you're a sideline official. You know, those are, those are always fun, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like the game and ship. I, lo- I love doing it and the, the going back and forth with the coach. And you know, that's part of the fun of it. And it's an exciting thing. And it's part of the a, game. I have a quick little story. I got to tell you one of my favorite college memories. Um, you know, I played at a small college and, we're, we had a game and uh, we had a backup quarterback who was just a kind of a poster. And at one point, you know, in the middle of a game, a referee, you know, threw a flag and then the play, you know, ended up like 20, 30 yards downfield. And so, but he had thrown his flag near the line of scrimmage. And so this quarterback goes out on the field, picks up the guy's flag, <laughs> stuffs it in his pants. And so the, the the official comes running back, you know, he's a headlinesman or whatever, because he's right along. The he comes back and he can't find his flag. And so our coach starts yelling at him, like, what are you doing? You know, you're delaying the game. You know, sticks. so then the guy heads, <laughs> heads back up field looking for his flag. And the quarterback takes the flag and dumps it back on the field where, you know, behind him. And then the, the official turns around, sees the flag sitting there, knows that it wasn't there like five seconds ago. <laughs> he just he just smiled and he didn't say a damn thing. He knew one of the kids was yanking his chain, and I just think I, I recall that it's just one of my favorite memories in college. Because <laughs> you know? it was just like a small college, it really didn't matter, right? But right. it mattered, and so <laughs> for somebody to think about to to think that quickly to do to pull off that trick and for the for the official to just let it go i thought was just total class because he could he could have flagged somebody right right but, he right. Let it go. <laughs> but it, it seems like you'd have it like every every season at least once or twice you'd have that that kid that just wants to to help you out you know they 
they, they're, they're just that helpful you know, soul. And you throw a flag and it's a spot foul. And if the flag means something, you know, it wasn't like, you know, offsides or something, it's you know holding or, yeah. you know, intentional grounding where the flag really matters and you throw it and you're, you know, you're, you're, that's why you have a flag. You're marking that spot and you're following the rest of the play. And you, like you say, you might be end up 30 yards downfield or 80 yards downfield and you got to come back to that spot. But I'd always be turning around to come back and here's this kid. I could see him pick up the flag and say, I'll bring your flag to you, Mr. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Thank you. But <laughs> thank you, but no, thanks. Yes. But uh, yeah, so you always run into that kind of stuff too. But uh, well, hey, my teammate didn't have the, the, official best interest at heart yeah i think that that was a little bit more malicious i think (laughs) (laughs) are you sure this was a teammate and it wasn't the the person telling the story uh no it was me you really have a lot of firsthand knowledge here (laughs) i i've done i've done i was kind of a trickster you know sort of person so (laughs) i've done things like that but no i uh i i didn't have the guts to do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that, that would be that took a, a little bit of moxie to do that i'm sure <laughs> especially with everybody in the stands seeing what you're doing so hey uh tim great stuff as always you know this uh coaching and quarterback relationship and coaching with the from the sidelines is always an interesting subject and uh it's amazing how much that's evolved over the years and how much uh the the perception of what the coach should be doing on the field and what he shouldn't be doing has changed over the last hundred some years it's just great stuff and uh really like how you portrayed that out here in in a story in this podcast tonight and uh you know you have this uh these thoughts and these tidbits that come out each and every day and uh on your website and social media and an email and maybe you could share with the listeners how they could enjoy uh, some of these too yeah so it's it's really easy uh my my site is footballarchaeology.com and as long as you spell it right you'll find it and um so you can subscribe there's all you know every story that's out there there's a subscribe button um and if you subscribe you get uh get the email at seven o'clock eastern every day uh, comes right to your your inbox, and then um, alternatively, you can just follow me on Twitter at Football Archaeology, and then you know obviously you can just go find it and you know periodically search it and see see what's been published. But uh, you know from my from my perspective, the best thing for me is if you uh, if you get the thing every every day, and you know if you got a busy week, let them pile up, and then when you got a little bit of time over the weekend scan through them and see what interests you all right I, i'm glad that you you mentioned that that i'm not the only one that has trouble spelling archaeology every time i write it out and even if i spell it right i look at it and i is that, is that right that's uh, just one of those words that uh, just doesn't look right but hey a-r-c-h-a-e-o-l-o-g-y yeah i think Most maybe Maybe as an American, we pronounce it with that archaeology and uh, yeah. the A yeah. just doesn't seem like it belongs there. But hey, hey great stuff. And uh, spell it right and put the dot com on the end and you'll get to Tim's site. And uh, Tim, we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, very good. Thanks, Darren. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here. But we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines. So be sure to tune in. 
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.